Welcome to Alliance International Church again. And this morning I want to start with a quiz. We talk a lot about the mission and vision of Alliance International Church. And you see some squares up there that give you the basics points of it. Glorify God by loving Christ. But when we look at it in detail, I wonder how many of us have thought, well, how are we going to accomplish these things? What do we have in place to obediently follow where we believe the Lord is leading us? How are we going to go from point A to point B? In the corporate world, what are our measurable goals and objectives going to be and how will we attain them? Now, the interesting thing is we are not a business. We are not a corporation. Therefore, we've got a couple of things going for us that the business and secular world don't have. And those things are found in our vision statement itself, which says this. We envision becoming a spirit-empowered community of believers who bring glory to God as we love Christ, love one another, and reach the world. Anything we seek to do as a body of believers here at AIC has to start by seeking God's word, obeying what he's led, and then being empowered, being guided, being directed and taught by the Holy Spirit. In other words, we're not going to be able to do it on our own. As I communicate some goals with you this morning, I know they're big, holy, audacious goals. That's the point. We can only do it in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as we seek to obey where he leads us. With that, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this time we have together. I thank you that we can be a church family. And I ask that we would be a family that glorifies you as we seek to love Christ, love one another, and reach the world. I pray that the pictures we paint this morning would lead us straight to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, many of you know what this is. It's a basic ball. If you were a kid, likely at one point in your life, you played catch, correct? And for the game to continue, one has to catch the ball, right? I didn't throw it far enough. Good catch, Keith. Thank you. One also has to know that the partner will throw it back, and sometimes that doesn't happen. In the same way, and we're just going to leave that back there. In the same way, we can talk about vision a lot, but we often haven't caught the vision. We haven't said, I believe this is where we're going, and I'm going to go unified as brothers and sisters in Christ toward where the leaders, the under-shepherds, the governing committee, and we, the church family, have said this is where God is leading as we've sought his words together. And so today, we're going to look at just what it means, not only to catch that vision, but to live it out. And I want to remind you of what this might look like, because this is just squares. Squares don't get us very excited, do they? In fact, Aristotle made a comment long before I was born, uh, in case you were doubting. He said, the soul never thinks without a picture. So this morning, I want to give you some pictures of where we're going as we look to the scriptures. So first, we start with this idea of glorifying God. He is our God. As I mentioned first thing this morning, everything we do is about honoring and glorifying Him. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But He is at the top. Everything we do must be aimed toward Him. Worship is so much bigger than just singing some songs one day a week in a church building. It's much bigger than that. Then 
we seek to love Christ by becoming more like him, by making disciples, by obeying what he's commanded us to do. He says, they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. He bridges the gap that separates us from the love of God. Christ Jesus does that. We seek to love him and grow in maturity to be just like him. And as we do that, the inevitable result is we're going to love each other. As we honor God, as we take the attention off of ourselves, off of the idolatry of this world, and we seek to glorify God in everything we do, we automatically will love Christ, his son, who has made a way for us to enter into a wonderful, vibrant, eternal relationship with God. And as we do that, we can't help but love one another. And in that love for another, we show a picture to the world that allows us to reach them. And you know what happens when we reach the world? It goes back up to the top. And those new disciples glorify God, love Christ, love one another, reach the world, and they repeat. You with me so far? It is an exciting journey. It's a journey we will never come to the end of. But today I want us to consider just four basic passages that hopefully help us understand the reality of the mission and vision that God's word has laid before us. So first, we look at this idea of glorifying God. And we go back into the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 23 through 25. Things are good and the king can't help but worship God. And so what does he say? This is what the king says. He says, sing to the Lord all the earth. Actually, when you see these scriptures up, I'm going to give you the cue, and we're going to read all four of these scriptures together. That means I know that you're tracking with me and that we're saying them out loud. Sometimes saying it out loud helps it burn in our brain. So say it with me. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. Wow. God, our father, God, our creator, God, our Lord. And what are we told to do when we worship our God and our King? Well, we start first. We sing. That's a good thing. Why do we sing in church? Because it's a tradition as old as time of singing and honoring God with the creative voices he's given. Some of you might say, Mike, I've heard you sing and I'd rather you not do it anymore. And that's a valid point. But I will sing my heart out because it can't help but want to praise the Lord in song, even if I can't sing. I'll never forget. I grew up in a small church in a small town in northeastern Ohio in the middle of America. And in that church, we had a wonderful young girl uh, who had, I believe, cerebral palsy. So she, was, uh, she had some learning disabilities. She couldn't speak particularly well. She couldn't catch everything. But when we sang, she belted it out. And you know what? She wasn't even close to being on key. But she was the best worshiper in our church. Because she wasn't worried about what everybody else was thinking. She just wanted God to know she loved him and she was going to sing her heart out. 
Sometimes we get in here and we sing a song and we decide, oh, I don't like this song or I don't want to sing today or people might not like how I look or how it sounds if I sing. And we get caught up on those things. But the act of singing together isn't about us. It's about ascribing glory back to God just like we're shown here. Sing to the Lord. Who? All the earth. Everybody. And if we don't, the rocks are going to cry out, we're told later on. The next thing we see is not only will we sing, if we're going to live this life of worship, we're also going to speak of it. We're going to tell of his salvation from day to day. So a worshiper sings, sings out their praises to God. Second, a worshiper tells of his salvation or her salvation every day. Do you remember when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you remember how excited you were in that moment? Do you remember how you wanted to tell everybody? Maybe you didn't, but you were excited. And then over time, life kind of crowded in. The excitement faded. And you just sort of went on. And much like that video at the beginning, worship and telling became something we just did for an hour and a half or two hours on a Sunday morning. But the scriptures are so clear. We honor God. We glorify God by telling of his salvation from day to day. Do we let people know we are so thankful for what God is doing? Do we let people know we're so thankful for the salvation that he made possible through his son, Jesus Christ, that we just remembered moments ago? Do we declare his glory among the nations? Look around. You live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Do you realize in less than an hour, you can be on top of a gorgeous mountain looking all over the world, not all over the world, but a long way. You can go down to the bottom of that mountain. You can be on these pristine beaches with nobody on them because not too many people go to the beaches except tomorrow. Don't go to the beach tomorrow. Everybody else will. Or you can go in and you can see the miraculous creativity that God has given man to build skyscrapers on the sides of mountains and on reclaimed land that wasn't meant to have this. And you look around and we have more skyscrapers than anywhere and it works. God inspires creativity. We should be giving credit back to him for his glory, for what he has done, not taking it ourselves and saying, look at me. Our very life. Do you realize we've got pilots in this room that fly things that weigh tons and they stay in the air? Think about that for a second. Think about jumping. How long can you stay in the air? Maybe like a tenth of a second. And we put all our faith in an Airbus or a Boeing and it keeps us in the air. God's glory upon us gave engineers the creativity and the ability to create a flying machine. Is that not amazing? Isn't it miraculous that God has given people the intellect and the ability to do things that honor and please Him? Sadly, we've taken that and we've used it to glorify ourselves. Here we're reminded, no, no, no. Give it back to Him. Whatever goes on, give it back to the Lord. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous work among all peoples. And we're going to keep talking about that for the next thing. For okay is the Lord. 
eh, he's okay. Sometimes that's how we act. Maybe we know in our minds he's great, but our disposition, our attitude, our very lifestyle seems to treat him more like he's mediocre at best, a distant friend, an acquaintance. But when we look around at the miraculous creation God has given, at the intellect that he's given you, at the creativity in this room alone, I can't help but marvel at the greatness of God because we couldn't do it on our own. He is great and worthy to be praised. And oh yeah, one more thing. The very God who made all of this out of nothing should be feared. Because the same God that has given us all of this is a God that hates sin, is a God that cannot look at sin, is a God that says, those apart from me will end in an eternity spent in hell, a loveless, Christless eternity, missing out on what I had for them. That is a scary thought. He is to be feared. It should scare us that there are those in the world that don't yet know him. And God can do amazing things. You remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They tried to cheat the church and cheat God. And they tried to do it together, but they came in separately thinking that somehow it would work. God and his almighty power struck them both dead and had them carried out one by one. God is every bit as powerful as he's ever been. And his glory is very important to him. He calls us, his people, to honor him and to glorify him in every one of our actions. That's why in Romans 12, we are told to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is our spiritual act of worship. How do we glorify God? We say, here I am, God. Here's my life. I'm going to give you credit for everything, for the good times and the bad. And I'm going to know that you are with me and I'm going to praise you in all things. And when I get to Sunday, I'm going to shout it out even louder because I want my friends and my family to know how mighty you are. We are a church that is going to get better and better at glorifying God because we can't shut up about him. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do a few things. We're going to help educate you on what it means to have a vibrant devotional life. Maybe you've never practiced the discipline of fasting, the discipline of reading your Bible daily, or maybe you've wondered, how do I even read my Bible? We're going to help with that. That's why we have discipleship classes. That's why we have community groups. That's why we teach on the things we teach on. Not only that, but we expect you to be out there declaring his glory among all people. And we expect, therefore, to those people to be so drawn to the love that's in this room that disciples are made and that they want to get baptized. So we're going to baptize more people. We don't just need two baptismal services a year. We're going to need four and then maybe more. Why? Not because we're doing something, but because we're obeying what God has laid out before us. Finally, We're going to be a church that seeks to use the creative abilities God has given you, whether it be in art, in speaking, in drama, in working with children, working with youth, working with adults, and we're going to seek to honor him with what he has given us. We can give this room a facelift that glorifies God. 
We can have new people up on the stage that maybe have been too scared to jump out and follow him with the gifts that he's given. But we're going to glorify God in all areas of our life. And we're going to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to him. And as we do that, we grow in relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. We become more like him. We become more Christ-like. Well, what happens when we become more Christ-like? Well, what if it looks something like this? tells us if we love him, we'll obey him. And he then told us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you're not alone. I'm with you. The thing is, if each of us grabbed one person and invested in them, helped them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ, and then challenge them to do the same, and we continue to grow together, you know what would happen? We would multiply. I think there's a class on that that we've been talking about for a while. And we would continue. It would become contagious because we look for people to invest in, to build relationship with them, to let them know that Christ loves them so much that he gave himself up for them and that he invites them into a grand, into a full, and into an eternal life that changes everything. And then he tells us to go tell other people to do the same. He tells us to make disciples. So what's our role as a church look like as we seek to do that? Well, if you looked at Ephesians chapter 4, we know that the church is to equip the saints for 
effective ministry. And then you go down further, and we're going to, again, we're going to read this together. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and read with me. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I love that picture. It's just amazing because it reminds us that maturity in Christ starts with Christ. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Christ is the head of our church. We are going to obey him. And as we obey him, we are going to grow in maturity. We're going to grow in unity. We're going to grow in love, in light, and in life. And then the world around us will see us and they will tell us, I want that sort of relationship with God. So what's the church's role in that? Well, our role is to equip. Our role is to give you the tools needed to grow as a disciple in Jesus Christ. But not just selfishly grow yourself, but grow so that you can use the gifts, the abilities, and the resources God has given you to make other disciples. And then to invite them to do the same. It is an ongoing, continual process of growing in maturity and inviting others to grow as spiritual newborns that grow not just to crave spiritual milk, but solid food of the good news of Jesus Christ that we find in the scriptures. And interestingly, Paul doesn't want us to forget that this is a community affair. It doesn't happen just by yourself. He gave us the church that we might grow and use our gifts together for the glory of God that then when they see our love for one another, they will rejoice and glorify God. They won't say, wow, AIC's got it all figured out. They'll say, wow, look at how God has changed lives from people from over 20 different nations and drawn them together in his name. And they will honor him. So what does equipping look like at AIC? Well, it means we expect more people to get involved in our discipleship ministry. Go to the classes. We select carefully these classes to help you in your spiritual journey. We don't just offer them so you've got something to do while your kids or friends are in another class. These are meant to help you not only grow in your journey, but to bring others alongside you and grow in that process. We are going to consistently challenge our body to be a people of prayer a people of prayerful submission to God, saying, Lord, here I am, I'll do what you tell me. We're going to pray during the service. We're going to pray before the service. We're going to pray on Wednesdays. We're going to pray every day. We're going to pray without ceasing that we would be sensitive to the Lord and to one another and obey where he is leading. What else? Well, we're going to encourage our children to walk a life that believes in Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, and the Father who loves them very much. We're going to teach those kids, those youth, 
what it means to prioritize the gospel, the redemptive greatness of Jesus Christ and his good news, and that they can carry that with them as their identities are shaped in him. And we're then going to teach them to engage and embrace the very mission of God, the same one I'm inviting us to embrace, to go make disciples even of their friends. And we're going to do it, this orange curriculum I mentioned, the reason I'm wearing orange today, we're going to do it with families. We're not just going to hope the kids and youth figure it out on their own. We're going to invite you as moms and dads, use you as children and youth leaders to walk alongside them, to invest in relationships with our children and youth for the glory of God saying they're not just the church of tomorrow. They matter right now. And we are going to build relationships with them. And that's our children and youth. And we're going to invite you to identify people by name you're going to ask God to let you disciple. I know that may be a scary thing. What if I mess up? Well, if you go back to our vision statement, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. He will equip us with all we need to obey Him. We have to obey. We have to follow. And as we do these things, as we surrender our life to the Lord by glorifying Him, by saying, here I am, Lord, I will go. I will glorify you in every part of my life. And then, as we seek to love Christ by obeying his commands, by loving him with our very being, we're going to grow up. We're going to grow in maturity. We're going to learn. Are we going to make mistakes? Unfortunately, yes, we will at times. We're going to offer grace in those times. We're going to practice the ministry of reconciliation one with another. We're going to pursue healthy relationships with one another and work hard to let everyone know we care about you growing to be the disciple God has called you to be. Because as we multiply, we let the world know that we love one another. Not too long ago, I watched a video on YouTube, and it was this amazing picture It was a dance troupe. I think there was about 50 of them. I don't know their name. It was some random video that showed up. And they did a six-minute dance presentation where every move they made was in perfect unity and in sync. It was amazing. They did moves that didn't look humanly possible. Yet they had worked so hard that it was this awe-inspiring, beautiful work of art when they worked together to use the skills they had been given. It was a thing of beauty. You know what's far more beautiful than a group of people that can dance? A group of people that use the gifts and abilities God has given them to glorify Him, to make disciples, and to love one another and show that to the world. We talk about loving one another, but sometimes I wonder if we do it. Read with me. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You think this was important to Jesus? A new commandment I give you that you love one another. Okay, he said it. Just as I have loved you. Well, what kind of love did Jesus love us with? If you flip over to Philippians chapter 2, 
you see this miraculous picture of Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very likeness of a man, of a servant. He gave himself up for us. So what does that mean in the context of loving one another? It means as Paul teaches us that we are going to consider others as better than ourselves. We are going to work hard to make every effort to live at peace one with another. At the beginning of Ephesians 4, the chapter I just read to you a minute ago, we are going to do all we can to live lives of unity by bearing with one another in love, by being people of meekness, of humility, and of gentleness, and of demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit empowers us to love those we thought we couldn't do on our own. I'm a hard guy to love, not going to lie. Not only, as I was told on Wednesday night, can I be passionate, but I can forget to put a filter on my mouth at times. And I get so excited about what I want, even if I say it too fast, that I don't think of how sometimes it affects others. My wife has learned that and has helped me through the Holy Spirit empowering her to say, Mike, let's think about gentleness. Because gentleness breeds unity. And over time, hopefully, I'm growing in gentleness through the work of the Holy Spirit in me and those that love me enough to help me in that journey. There's others that you look around this room and there's somebody in here that has hurt you. Well, you know what? Maybe they do deserve punishment. Maybe they deserve everything that's coming to them. But Christ deserved the glory of God and instead gave himself up, taking on the very nature of a servant so that we didn't get what we deserved. Because at the end of the day, what do we deserve? We deserve hell. But God gave us his son who then told us to go love one another. Listen to what Francis Schaeffer has to say about this idea of loving one another. He noted that the bitter divisions among Christians give the world the justification they're looking for to disbelieve the gospel. In other words, a church that is marked by arguing with each other gives the world the ammunition they need to say the gospel isn't true. Because we proclaim with our lips the gospel to be true, but our actions and our hearts are far from the Lord. Instead, we are to grow up in maturity as disciples and we are to learn to love one another empowered by the Holy Spirit. When reconciliation, when peacemaking and unity are on display in the church, it becomes a miraculously powerful witness to a world that doesn't understand unity. Church, I want to invite us to grow together in love for one another. Are we all the same? No. Are we always going to agree with one another? No. But if we believe in Jesus Christ and we have been adopted into his family, sons and daughters of the Most High God, we are part of the same family and we will love one another. We will enjoy community together. I long within five years to have 90% of us, I didn't say 100 just because I lack faith, but 90% of us consistently engaged in a community group. 
Right now, we're about 30%, so we've got a ways to go. Maybe a little more than that, maybe about 40. I long to be a church that within those community groups, within the shepherding ministries of AIC, we provide the member care that you need to help you grow in your journey with Christ in good times and bad as we sung this morning. And we're making adjustments to how we lead the church to provide extra counseling. One of the favorite things we do in the church is when somebody comes to us and says, we're getting married and we're going to walk alongside and give them biblical foundations on which to base their marriage and teach them. But sometimes people need counseling for a tough marriage for broken relationships. We're putting pieces in place to make sure you have the resources you need to get that help and then to give that help away to others and to reproduce our community groups that are loving and compassionate, that gather together for fellowship, that grow to be more like Jesus Christ, that give of their time and their resources for the glory of God and that go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's what our community groups do. The question is, why wouldn't we get involved? We're too busy. Well, that's the lamest excuse of all. I think we're too busy not to obey Jesus Christ by loving one another. And then we're going to have quarterly family gatherings where we're going to tell stories. We're going to play games. We had sports day last month. And we're going to enjoy getting to know people maybe we've never met. Because in a church where people come and go, it's a joy to get to know you. Even if you're only here for a season. This is God's church and he will equip us empowered by the Holy Spirit to go where he tells us to go. But he tells us to do it together. Do we love one another the way Christ first loved us? If we do, the natural outcome of that is missions and evangelism. Reaching the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Read it with me. If it's too small, I know I had to make the font a little smaller, so I'll read it loudly. But read with me if you can read the print. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Jesus Christ told us that we were to love God and love others, correct? So far, so good. He told us the parable of the Good Samaritan that taught us to love our neighbor, correct? Thank you. Does your neighbor know you love Jesus? Do you love your neighbor enough to tell them Jesus loves them and gave himself up for them? Do you love your neighbor enough to invest in them for as long as it takes to make disciples of all nations? Do you love your coworkers enough to not be afraid of rejection, but instead to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak the truth in love when God gives you the opportunities before you? Or is the fear of rejection crippling us from carrying out the good news to those that desperately need to know who Jesus is? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved.
but they need to know who he is. And how will they know if we don't tell them? And that starts next door. And then it grows to our workplace. And then it grows to all of Hong Kong. And then it grows to the world. A tremendous tragedy in the church today, I believe, has been that we have devalued full-time ministry. Some of you have felt a call to go serve the Lord full-time with the gifts He's given you in a vocational ministry setting. You can serve the Lord full-time and work for Cathay Pacific, work for HSBC, work for an employer here in Hong Kong, and God can use you mightily. Don't misunderstand. But some of you have your children come up to you and say, Mom, Dad, I feel God is calling me to go serve Him in missions. And you say, no, that's too risky. Don't do it. Go do something secure. And we've justified that saying, that's for someone else. That's for Joyce and Henri in the Congo. That's for Lavina in Haiko. That's for Linda in Cambodia. That's for others. Why not us? I'll never forget the first time I came to China. I was so excited because I had no idea what was coming. And I was going to teach English. And I was pretty confident that I had it all figured out as most young adults are. And I was walking through Los Angeles International Airport, not the most wonderful place to walk, by the way. And I met one of our other ELIC team teachers. And I couldn't keep up with her. And it was amazing because no matter how fast I tried to keep up, she just kept moving. And she said, I just can't wait to get there and get back to China. This is my ninth or my 10th time going. Well, her name was Elaine. And would you like to know how old she was? She was 74 years old. And she had, was going to China for the ninth time to teach English and to seek to make disciples of all nations. If Elaine could do it at 74 years old, what in the world is stopping us from going wherever God might lead us to go? Whether it's next door, north of the border, to the Congo, to America, or anywhere in between, would we be faithful enough to obey what the Lord has called us to do, and that's to reach the world with his good news. Well, how do we hope to help equip you for that? We long to send out three more long-term missionaries in the next three years. Right now, we have Daniel Rayner serving with Navigators. We have Lavina Lee serving uh, up north. Uh, and we have uh, Linda Reeves working with Alliance Global Serve and in the schools there. We also have partnerships with Freddie and Julie planting a church in the Philippines and we're helping them. We're also working with JKPS Ministries in Kolkata, India and in West Bengal, India and where more than 300 churches have already been planted and they're seeking to do more. But we need people to say, Lord, here I am, send me. Use the gifts you've given me, whether it be locally or globally. I will go. We have missionaries sitting right here with us that have committed 30 plus years to following where the Lord has led. And to that I say, wow, thank you for being faithful. And we have teenagers here that seek to be light every day of their life wherever school finds them. Would we do all we can to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ? Not only that, 
But yesterday was a monumentally exciting day in the life of Christian Alliance International School and Alliance International Church. We officially broke ground on the new school facility. And as you know, from years past, we've announced that when that happens, AIC will have a presence at Christian Alliance International School. Well, that's exciting, but it's not the whole story because the whole story says we're going to plant the church. At first, we will likely be a church with two campuses, but that's not an effective way long-term. Uh, our history kind of shows that doesn't work very well if we look at some of our previous attempts at planting. So we long to be a church that when we open the doors of AIC West Kowloon or whatever we call it, AICCA, use lots of letters, whatever the name of that church is, within three years, a strong group of men that are elders to lead the church and pastor and shepherd the flock will have been raised up. And that will be a local church that then its mission is to plant another church. And the church here in Wampo's mission to plant another church, to make disciples of all nations, multiplying ourselves just like the video showed, finding new people to invest in and invest in them. That also takes resources. We long to be a church that gives. You've heard me say this before, but not only do we seek to tell people about Jesus, but we seek to give those that are willing to go into all the world and preach the gospel the resources they need. If we have a $4 million budget, what if we gave another $2 million away to missions? That takes sacrificial, radical living, saying, God, this money, it's all yours. Use it for your glory. We're going to invest locally in Hong Kong. We're going to partner with ministries here saying, how can we connect with the poor, the widows, the least of these? How can our community groups get involved in serving their communities? Because we are passionate about glorifying God by loving Christ. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Loving one another and reaching the world. It's going to be an exciting journey. It's not always going to be an easy journey. I know that full well. But I believe when we look at the scriptures, we can't help but say, God, here I am. Send me. I will go. Because the thing I love about that verse in Isaiah chapter 6 is that Isaiah realized, I'm a man of unclean lips, Lord. I can't do it. That's right where the Lord wanted him. We can't do this. We can't make a difference in Hong Kong, in Wampo, in Kowloon, in the world on our own. But if we are a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, living out the truth of God's word and bringing glory to God in all things, we will make disciples of all nations and we will make a, he will make a difference through us. There's one more verse I want to look at as Peto plays. And I want you to read this one. I'm going to read it out loud. You reflect. But I wonder, have you caught the vision? Do you understand who we are and where we're going? Because at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells those listening this. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That is why we do what we do, that the world may see our good deeds and learn to glorify our heavenly Father who is awesome, worthy to be praised and feared and worthy of every ounce of our life. God does not care how much money you have if that money isn't being used to honor him. God does not care how smart you are if that intelligence isn't used to further his kingdom and glorify him. God does not care how good you are at whatever you're good at if it isn't used to honor and glorify him by loving Christ, loving one another, and reaching the world. I was supposed to give this message on April 6th, I believe, during our AGM. But the Lord saw fit to remind us of a wonderful truth, that Mike is not indispensable. So I was laying in a hospital bed, and you were going great without me. And I I was missed, I understand. But it reminds us that we're not about one person. We are a team, a family, and we will go together where God is leading us, seeking to be a brightly shining light, empowered, lit up by the Holy Spirit, letting the world know of the greatness of God. Have you caught the vision? Will you go with us where he is sending us? God looked around and he said, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Would you be willing to say the same? Certainly wasn't easy for Isaiah. Read the book. It was a tough road for him, but God was pleased. There were some tough times, but God used Isaiah and God can use you if we would but offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is our spiritual act of worship. Let's pray. Lord, be glorified in us. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to love you, to love one another and to reach the world. And may we give every ounce of our energy, every ounce of our resources to obeying you into offering our lives as living sacrifices. In your holy name I pray, amen.